Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, June the 24th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what do we do on Mondays? We take a look at one of the readings for the coming Sunday, and I did not have too much of a problem because the reading, one of them, comes from my favorite book in the Bible, which really discusses, well, law and gospel, and that's Galatians. We're going to be going to Galatians chapter 5, but let me just share something with you. If you're ever asked the question, what is unique about the Lutheran faith? Tell them that the uniqueness of it is a big emphasis on the distinctions between law and gospel. And Galatians 3 is definitely the chapter you will want to show them. Why? Many passages of the Bible, like in Revelation, Ezekiel, etc., are somewhat difficult to understand if you do not know the culture of that day. But Galatians 3 is really pretty simple. There is no way that you can read Galatians 3 and conclude, boy, I'm going to be saved by what I do. If I'm good, I'm going to heaven. If I'm bad, I'm going to hell. That is absolutely a contradiction of the Christian faith. Because in order to get to hell, you have to be a sinner. But in order to get to heaven, you have to be a sinner. The difference is those who go to hell reject the gospel message of the forgiveness of sins, while those who go to heaven have proper faith, that is, trust in the promises of the gospel. So Galatians 3, just tell somebody to read that, and it's kind of obvious what Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. In fact, he was the one responsible for the conversion of many people in Galatia, but after he left, false doctrine came in through false teachers, and so much of the book of Galatians is about that. And that's what we're going to be looking at. The text for this Sunday begins with Galatians 5, verse 1, And then it skips to later in the chapter. But let me read 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, here's a really good example of a Bible passage that you need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Because what kind of freedom is he talking about? We're hearing from a lot of false pastors that the freedom Paul is talking about is freedom from having to obey the law. Now, they're partially right, but they don't finish the sentence. We have the freedom from having to obey the law in order to be saved. It's not that we don't obey the law. Oh, we certainly do. They're called fruit of faith, as the Holy Spirit motivates us to obey the law occasionally. But none of that saves us, because you can't even do a fruit of faith 
until you are totally saved. So faith works are always a consequence of your being saved. So we disagree with those who say, for freedom Christ has set us free in order to do anything we want, that now the Holy Spirit tells us what is right or wrong. And that's why so-called Christians, some of them believe in abortion and homosexuality and other immoralities. So Paul is going to make that point that you really need to be careful when we understand the freedom that we have. And so in verse 16 is where we're going to start. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what does it mean to walk by anything? Well, for example, when I was young, we would be maybe going trips downtown shopping. I'd either be with my mother or my father, and I'd be walking with them. And therefore, they made sure I didn't get into any trouble like maybe taking some gum without paying for it or, or something along that lines. But by walking with my parents, I was then able not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, let's say I wanted an ice cream cone. Well, I could ask my mom or dad, and guess what? A lot of times they'd have me sit down and we'd have a little dessert. Because in verse 17... The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Now, in Romans, Paul talks about the distinction between the old Adam and the new man. The old Adam is our sinful nature, and we're born with that. And that has desires of the flesh. The the word flesh here just doesn't mean a part of the body, like you have spirit and flesh. No, it's talking about the sinful desires that you have, your desires of the flesh. And verse 17 makes clear the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. And just like uh, walking with my mom and dad, I was kept out of trouble. Listen to the end of verse 17. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, this is a great definition of sin. Sin is simply doing the things you want to do rather than what the Spirit is motivating you to do. Or, with your parents what they want you to do. I mean, how many times I'd be going through a store and there was one of those horses you could ride. I mean, it was a wooden horse. And I would just run towards it and try and get on top of it. And my mom would stop me from doing it because there was a sign right there, do not ride on the horse. (laughs) Because certain children could be, shall we say, way more and top the horse over and break the horse. So my parents were the ones that I was walking with who kept me from doing the things that I want to do. 
In fact, what is at the center of sin? Spell it. I. What is at the center of pride? I. And so this is a great definition of sin. Sin is the desires of the flesh that you want to do that are contradicted by the motivation of the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that needs explanation. Because I can think of five or six meanings of that. If you're led by the Spirit, here's how some false pastors are teaching it. That when you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the commands of the law. You don't have to obey them. You're free from the law. You, you hear this in a lot of liberal churches that since Christ has come, we are no longer under the law in the sense of having to obey it. We instead listen to the spirit within us. And whatever that says that we desire to do, we do it. This is how far some pastors have gone and others who are false teachers in the church. The proper understanding of being under the law is when Paul makes the distinction between being under the law or being under the gospel. Under the law refers to the fact that you really believe that what you do is going to get you to heaven. You're living under the law. But what you don't realize is that law is a curse. Because if you ever break God's law, that's his will, his commandments, then you are under the curse of damnation. And that's because you're following the works of the flesh rather than the works of the Holy Spirit. In order to make himself really clear... Paul then begins to list the works of the flesh. This is in verse 19, chapter 5. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Now, some Bibles read adultery and then fornication. But in a number of original texts, the word adultery doesn't appear, but fornication does. And that is a real problem that we're having today. Adultery is usually immoral activity between married couples. But fornication is illicit activity between people who are not married. I mean, how many young people think that once they get engaged, that's the Holy Spirit telling them they can start living together? That's called fornication. I've said this many a time. I don't remember watching a police story on television, made up or not made up, where the female police are committing fornication with others. I finally found one program that the woman was not. It's called the FBI. I haven't seen it for a while, so I don't know if it's still on. But uh, she was a very proper woman whose husband had been killed in action. 
And there was never a hint of her committing fornication with anybody. But that's the only program I ever saw. All the other programs, all the police women are committing fornication. And, and you just wonder, doesn't society realize this? You put a man and a woman in the same police car and you think everything's going to be okay? Look, look how many pregnancies are occurring on ships, Navy ships, uh, between the various naval people. The fact of the matter is, is the lusts of the flesh are impossible to stop apart from the Holy Spirit. And so when you have so many people who do not believe in Jesus Christ, or if they do, they have such weak faith, no wonder fornication is almost seen in every movie um, on television as well as in the movie places. So that was number one, sexual immorality. Then impurity and sensuality, idolatry. Now, idolatry is actually any time that you look to something else rather than God for your instruction. In fact, you cannot sin without committing idolatry. Every sin is a breaking of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And here Paul is listing some of the other gods that we have. Uh, Next one is sorcery. And I'm surprised how many young people fool around with the Ouija board or how many adults kind of meet. There's there's actually stores in St. Louis you can go to where the person says that they can communicate with your dead relatives. Who would ever think of that? In fact, I recently saw a portion of a movie. It was called UFO. And they really believed that there were UFOs. And they had all kinds of mathematical equations trying to prove it and this sort of thing. There are no UFOs that are like human beings anywhere in the entire universe. And they're trying to give you a song and dance that there is because they say, well, look how many stars are in our galaxy and there are billions of other galaxies. And so the human mind just jumps to the conclusion, well, somewhere, somewhere else, evolution had to have occurred. And therefore, when they see a UFO, they immediately jump to the conclusion that this is a species of something that is far smarter than we are because they're able to travel through time. It was really quite a ridiculous uh, movie. It was kind of entertaining. That's why I was watching it. But it is so far from the idea that there are somebody like human beings on other planets. Uh, They're getting all excited because they think they can find life on a planet. Well, so what? I can't but believe there aren't bacteria or other forms of life on other planets. Plants, uh, who who knows? That, That wouldn't surprise me at all. But because the Bible is absolutely contrary to evolution, that doesn't at all lead to the conclusion that therefore individuals like us have evolved 
anywhere else. Then there's sorcery enmity. That's hatred. And why do we often hate? Because somebody has something we don't have. Most wars are for property. Remember Hitler went after other countries because he felt that they had stolen German property, which leads to strife. Now, in this is also jealousy. Uh, how many movies do you see where a husband gets jealous of his wife simply because she's talking to other men? Say they're playing pool at a bar, and, of course, he's aware of the fact how men try and entrap women, that sometimes it appears women are unaware of it. And therefore he gets very jealous and takes it on her rather than the man who's making a play on his wife. But that's jealousy and it's part of the flesh. Fits of anger. Who doesn't have fits of anger when things aren't going the way we want them to? to go. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. So Paul says, he's writing to the Galatians, telling them to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. He says, and this is verse 21, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. Who of us have not done some of those things? But we need to look more carefully at this because the original language indicates that those who walk by these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Let's say you have a fit of anger. Well, under the flesh, you will justify why you had that fit of anger. But if you're walking by the Holy Spirit, you will recognize it was inappropriate and repent of it. The difference between these items many of which all of us do, and those who do them who will not be saved, is that those who do them are walking by them. They are following them. There's no repentance. Those are the ones who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul then says, well, what are the results of being in the Spirit? He refers to it as the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we talk about there's two kinds of good works. The one is just a good work that even an atheist can do. He can stop at a stop sign. He can pay his taxes. The other is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that only a Christian can do because only Christians are motivated properly by the Holy Spirit in doing their good works. And what are the fruit of the Spirit. Well, he begins with love. And remember, the greatest gift that we have, you should think 
boy, I can speak in tongues, I can heal people, etc. But if I do not have love, then I'm a clanging symbol. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. That was the joy that the disciples had on the night of the resurrection when Jesus appeared to them. Peace. Those are the words of Jesus to the disciples. Peace be with you. Patience. What's patience? Patience is an attitude that God is in charge and we just have to bide our time for him to do his work. Kindness. This isn't just being kind, like Jesus says, when you invite people. Don't invite just your relatives and rich people so you'll get paid back. Invite the poor, the needy, etc. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, now listen to the next phrase. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, never does God say, you should not love, you shouldn't have peace, you shouldn't have joy or patience or kindness. There are no laws against that. There are only laws against the works of the flesh. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, what does that mean? How do we crucify the flesh? Well, it's quite obvious that the person who is born with original sin needs to die. They need to die from that original sin. And that occurs in baptism. When the waters of baptism are poured over you and you enter into the family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... What's happening there is that there's a death of the old Adam. He's drowned in the waters of baptism. Now, he keeps coming up, but by the Spirit, every time he does come up, repentance occurs. And that's why you are forgiven. To crucify the flesh with its passions and desires means to put it to death, like Jesus did in the temptations he received from Satan. Oh, you're hungry? Well, just change these stones into bread. Jesus says, no, I will not do that. Well, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. No, I will not do that. Well, you want to be shown as the Messiah? Jump from the pinnacle of the temple, land on your feet, and they'll all believe you're the Messiah. You don't have to go to the cross. No, I will not do that. He crucified, he put to death the temptations of Satan with its passions and desires. So Paul does a really good summary of this in the last verses of Galatians chapter 5. If we live by the Spirit, okay, and you are living by the Spirit because that's what happened in your baptism, Your sins were forgiven, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you received Jesus as life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you come to live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It's kind of like I was talking about at the beginning. If I was begotten by my parents, 
when I went to a store, etc., when I was young, then I walked with them. And I walked with them maybe not knowing that part of the reason they had me walking with them is so that I would be kept out of trouble. And that's a wonderful summary of what Paul is saying here. You Galatians are living by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into you and gave you life. You were in death. You were the walking dead. Until the fulfillment of what David had asked in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, occurred in the waters of baptism. And so, during this season of Pentecost, as we're celebrating Sunday after Sunday in Pentecost for the rest of the church year, up to about Advent, it is a reminder of what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's all about the church being guided by Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith as we take a look at another Pentecost hymn. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.